0: and welcome back to horror queers oh wait this isn't a regular episode we've opened the patreon vaults and i'm joe again (laughs) yes Uh, i mean it makes sense right because this is october and we're still in the thick of the halloween trilogy so why not revisit last year's halloween kills trace
1: yeah that sounds like something i want to do (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: i'm sorry i would love to revisit our episode i do not want to revisit this movie because i have watched it twice since we
0: watched it the first
1: time and i oh. like it
0: even less spoiler oh, alert So no. i watched it for our episode which i would like to say i think we do a fair job of balancing the things that are working however small they are Mm -hmm. and then the things that are not but i mean this movie was a hill that people fucking died on last year
1: yeah if i recall um we were very much like a why are people up in arms about this
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's plenty of silly stuff like i remember how we all jumped on that evil dies tonight bandwagon but Yeah, I mean, we ended up having a bit of a chat about this and the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on one of our horror queers hangout videos on YouTube, because it felt like people were just really defensive and or irrationally angry about franchise films this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good thing. People have such close ties to these franchises. They're long running. And so it we're kind of in this era where people are like oh if you are if you don't like this movie or if you really go to town like hating on this movie then you mm-hmm. are insulting me i feel like that's what we're Brandy. seeing a lot of nowadays
0: yeah, I think it's a bit of a surprise to me because I've just never had the relationship to Halloween that I think a lot of other horror film bands do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've we talked at length about the different films that we like in the franchise. We've done an audio commentary on Halloween H2O on the Patreon. And the reality is, for me, this franchise is just such a mixed bag. I always go into it open-minded and hoping for something exciting, but It is a bit of a crapshoot, and sadly, David Gordon Green is just not my favorite when it comes to this particular property.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, you're gonna hear this in the episode, but this is a movie that retroactively made me like Halloween 2018 even less. Oof. But that's all I'll say about it. I mean, look, like, so (laughs) on that note, go and enjoy the episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. We don't do this in a short fashion. Like, this is a full-length episode, folks. Mm -hmm. So you are going to hear two hours of us walking through this. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if people's anger has subsided a little bit, where maybe we have some perspective of a year later. But I'd be curious to hear folks who didn't hear this on Patreon last year. What are your thoughts? Are you liking the film more? Are you less excited for Halloween ends aka the one that we're going to be covering on Patreon this month I don't know but on that note though I mean yeah so this is a Patreon episode if you don't know
1: what it is because you you stopped listening to our episodes before we you know Close out, I guess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is a taste of what you will get when you subscribe to our Patreon. So if you want to go check it out, I mean, go to patreon.com slash horrorqueers. You'll see a bunch of different tiers. You can pick which one you want to join. But Mm -hmm. I mean, if you join our highest tier, we have over 200 hours Of bonus content
0: that you can get for just $10. Yeah, and we have covered this, as I said, we've covered H2O. So we have a lot of content if you are interested in Halloween, other mainstream horror franchises and so on. But Trace, why don't you give these folks a taster of what they would get if they signed up this month?
1: Yeah. So if you sign up for the Patreon this month, on top of, of course, getting everything we've covered already, Mm -hmm. um, we will have episodes on the adaptation of Grady Hendrix's My Best Friend's Exorcism, the spooky Disney sequel Hocus Pocus 2, the reboot of Clive Barker's Hellraiser, as joe said an episode on halloween ends and to celebrate its 20th anniversary an audio commentary which is you know you watch the movie with me and joe uh, in real time mm-hmm. on gore verbinski's
0: the ring oh yes 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 and if you
1: want to hear me scream like a little girl when they open that fucking closet for amber Cameron's corpse <laughs> <laughs> love it love it can't wait uh, but, but yeah, so again, uh, go to our Patreon, we have lots of good shit there, go support us, it's really fun. And if you can't, that's okay, go leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, because that is a good way to do it if you uh can't or don't want to do the Patreon.
0: Yeah, but Trace, since this is a Patreon exclusive, we won't be talking about where we're going next week, so I guess we should probably let listeners know where we're headed for... <sighs> episode 200 (gasps) oh boy y'all it is
1: almost four years in the making we're turning 200
0: yeah so folks we decided to pick a film that trace and i are in agreement on this is a five star movie zero flaws nothing but gush everybody get ready we're going to be talking about Karn kusama's the invitation
1: yes and again if you are new to the genre or you're unfamiliar please make sure you are watching the 2015 mm-hmm. invitation not the one that came out this year with natalie emmanuel
0: yeah we have not covered that film maybe never will but uh no stick with the 2015 one it's a guaranteed good time so so good
1: uh we have yeah nothing but nice things to say but we're not talking about that right now we're gonna talk about halloween Bits. kills <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I guess without further ado, we can uh, go into the episode, y'all. Enjoy.
2: Sheriff, you're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass.
0: Welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking John's both big and little. We're talking Judy fucking Greer. And we're talking America's favorite new drinking game, Evil Dies Tonight. And I'm Joe. And I'm
1: Trace. And we're talking Gotcha again. (laughs) The Redux. god i mean that's basically what this movie is right It it is that that ex- is exactly what it is and everyone of course if you don't know the movie we are talking about we are talking about david gordon green's halloween kills and kills there are a plenty in this movie
0: indeed i think it's one of the things that people are praising the film for right it's got the gore and the action and the creative deaths that we're looking for Yes. No, it, it does have those things.
1: And I would argue it doesn't have much else. Right. Or it seems to think it does have a lot of things that it's trying to do. But I, again, for me, it doesn't succeed at pretty much any of them. So uh, just getting this out of the way right away. Y'all, um, I, I did not care for this movie. I did not like this movie. And I'm actually very sad um about this movie
0: well trace i think you're missing the overall thought that this film (laughs) is about grief and it's about trauma (laughs) and it's about this town yeah folks i'm being obviously a little facetious because i too unfortunately did not overly care for this film but you know what we're gonna unpack it we're gonna try to be i don't know i don't want to say responsible but we're gonna try to be fair to where the film is succeeding because there are obviously people who quite like this movie
1: the uh, yeah yes there are and okay i mean if, if you are a fan who has been online um specifically on twitter i actually know anywhere any social media because i've seen it on facebook too this movie has divided people like i mean i have seen people going at each other's throats horror fans going into each other's throats for liking or not liking this movie and i yeah you know uh, Obviously, you know you and I can say this. You know, it is okay to not like a movie. It's okay to like a movie, but absolutely from both sides of this conversation. And again, y'all, we are recording this the Monday after Halloween Kills comes out, so I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's fresh in our minds. <laughs> it's fresh everywhere. <laughs> it's fresh everywhere. But it's again, it, it seems to be okay. What, the side that doesn't like it. Oh, if you liked this movie, you like you have very like you're not a true fan, or you should expect more from this franchise, and blah blah, blah, blah and, and, and and then from the other side it's oh if i like this movie if you didn't like it like what what were you expecting it was just a dumb fun slasher blah 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 blah, blah. but but it's becoming like personal attacks as a like people are offended <laughs> when people are disagreeing with their opinion on this movie and i'm just like honestly i got exhausted just looking at this discourse
0: yeah definitely seems to have not just riled people's feathers but also like i think what we're seeing is a bit of a repeat of that malignant phenomenon that we experienced earlier this year where mm. when something is so easily publicly available and even though we're not really star for horror content it does seem like this was the thing that people were watching so everybody had an opinion because everybody had seen it because it was streaming on peacock or you know there were enough open theaters people could go and See it. So it really not only dominated the discourse, but yeah, you know, it's a major franchise the biggest uh, opening for a slasher three years ago. This is the sequel. So anticipation Mm -hmm. has been riding high. We had to wait an extra year for it. It just seemed like everybody, everyone has thoughts about this movie. (laughs) Very much so. And I mean, we'll get into the
1: box office run of it later because I mean, it it, it overperformed expectations, which I mean, Mm -hmm. as a horror fan, I'm like, oh, that's great. I think that's awesome. Like, yeah, horror is doing well. I just wish it was for a movie that, I thought was better. I don't, I don't yeah. even want to use the word like deserves the money because whatever, like it's a win for oh, horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll talk about fan service. We'll talk about whatever. But I, I, for me personally, on a basic filmmaking level of screenwriting and especially editing, I think mm. this movie is a failure and I was angry. I went through like the five stages of grief over the weekend, <laughs> no, because I, I, I do. I, I have a closer relationship to this franchise than you do. But you know, in our yes. Halloween 2018 episode, we discussed how both of our opinions are kind of like you know softened on it a bit but i still was mm-hmm. like no but i still like it right i hate that this is the second movie in a row now where i'm like well maybe the next one's gonna fix my problems with this one except the problem <laughs> right. is instead of oh i have two movies to fix my problems with this one movie i now have one movie to fix my plethora of problems with these two movies <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know, you and I had a big conversation, actually a series of conversations in the lead up to this, because we worried that this film was going to fall into the kind of middle entry in a trilogy, like there's challenges, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you were very adamant that you were worried this was going to be a movie that could not stand on its own, it was going to obviously end on a big old cliffhanger, everybody knew that part, but the sad reality is that this isn't just a film that acts as the middle part of a trilogy. It's a film that almost doesn't justify its own existence. Like I spent a lot of this wondering, okay, but does this such a tricky situation, does some of this need to be here? Or is it that this is just a Blumhouse cash cow? And why do two movies when you could have three? Like that was what kept going through my head.
1: And that was the original plan, right? Like, they were originally <laughs> going to do two movies when they were first doing this. When we were Bride and Green and whatever the fuck Jeff Bradley were, were writing the first movie, they wanted to do two movies back to back. And then they were like, and by they, I'm like, I'm sure Blum said this. Hey, do <laughs> one. We'll see what people react to. And then we'll use that to write two sequels for a cash cow if the first right. one does well enough. Yeah. And... I was a defender of the first one because I was like, no, I mean, obviously I know it's a business. People want money, blah, 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 blah. Sure, we've been here before. Yeah, but their intentions were in the right place. And with Kills, I don't even necessarily think their intentions are in the wrong place. I do think that they think they're doing something that they're not. But it's also very much a... I mean, former guest Lindsay Travis put it very, very correctly in her review where she was like, this is a movie that is a series of vignettes of kills that is mm-hmm. kind of sort of bookended around this mob group think statement. And I'm using statement in quotes because, I mean, the movie flat out says, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I have the line when Charles Cypher's Annie Brackett says, oh, he's turned us all into monsters. Thanks, movie. I got it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Oh, is that your thesis? Okay. Also, congratulations on putting it in there at about the 70-minute mark. But I do want to be clear, though, and I
1: mean, I'm sure you you agree. Like, obviously, when I'm critiquing this movie, when I'm saying, like, I expected better from this movie, I'm not Mm -hmm. also saying if you did like this movie, your standards are low and therefore you're an idiot. That is not at all what I'm saying, honestly. I'm envious of people that really like this movie, and I wish I was in the same court. Like, I don't want to dislike this movie, and I kind of hate the fact that I do.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I do think there were some people who went into this actively looking to hate it. It was a little bit difficult to be generous to it if you, like me, were not the biggest fan of 2018. Like, you're kind of coming off a not great taste, and it's like, here, put a little bit more shit into your mouth. And I'll be clear, I didn't hate this movie. I... Kind of enjoyed watching it, but at the end of the day, I agree with you. I don't think it's a great movie. And part of my, I mean, I said part of my frustration was that this is middle entry in a trilogy, but also I just don't think that they capitalized on a good creative decision. So you said that this is a bit of a failure of storytelling. And I think they kind of put themselves into – they put the baby into the corner, and (laughs) it was not the best decision that they could have made because, you know, one of the things that we talked about a lot in our 2018 review was – People liked it the best when we were focusing on the three generations of Strode's, Right. And because of the way we ended that last film, we obviously can't have Jamie Lee Curtis out running around doing knife battles with Michael Myers because she's not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, okay, well, the obvious natural thing is to be like, we're going to jump ahead a year or five years or 10 years or whatever. And not keep it on the exact same night, because you then automatically have to do what this film does, which is sideline Jamie Lee Curtis, sideline Judy Greer for a certain extent, side check uh, Andy Matichek for a certain regard. So we then have to fill the film with all these other characters. And yeah, I agree, the mob stuff could be interesting, but the film also doesn't want to just focus on the mob stuff. So yeah. Welcome back to Vignettes.
1: Well, and, and, and the whole thing with this being the second part of a trilogy, which it was so funny because I saw some people saying, oh, this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Halloween franchise. And I wanted to be Ooh, like,
0: "Ooh, that no. is a little
1: generous <laughs> because Empire Strikes Back, while ending on a massive cliffhanger, can still stand on its own as its own film. I feel like there's like a protective barrier right now around Halloween Kills where I'm like, I don't feel like I can have a full opinion of this movie because it doesn't feel like a complete movie. This does feel like half a movie and I do think yeah, maybe maybe the problems I have with it now will be addressed in Halloween Ends because this movie sure as fuck goes out of its way to address the problems people had with the first movie. Sometimes like literally just actually addressing them, having a character address the problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the day, the you know, we've spent about 10 minutes kind of mm-hmm. preemptively addressing some of the issues and concerns that people have It's always going to be like this when we get a major blockbuster mainstream release for a beloved franchise. And I guess one of the things that I would just encourage people to do is be generous with other people's opinions. If you don't like it, then that's your prerogative and you can own that and maybe unpack it and have conversations. Same thing goes for if you like it, but this is not a movie to die on a hill for where you say if anybody disagrees with me then fuck them to hell
1: yeah and you know i mean yeah we've belabored the point so we'll kind of get into the production but i do want to say like you know so uh, obviously yeah like you said joe people have been waiting for this movie for a very long time and when it was pushed back i I mean it was like you know a knife in the hearts of horror fans everywhere like we, we wanted to see this movie they did screen this apparently i mean apparently there was a test screening you know before before the pandemic and i had talked to a couple people um i won't name any names cuz i'm pretty sure ndas were signed but um the the recap of this of the previous version of this film that is not the one we got and i do want to point out that i knew these facts after having already seen halloween kills so i didn't walk into the movie with these expectations but okay from what I was told, basically there was a lot more character development and tension between Karen and Lori. Karen was very clearly the lead from start to finish, and there wasn't so much of a focus on Tommy. L- there's a lot of tension between Karen and Lori because Lori dismisses Ray's death, a.k.a. Karen's husband. So she and Karen have a lot of tension throughout the film. And so after that, Karen withholds the truth about Michael surviving, which was a huge focus and core of the film. So when Tommy blurts out that Michael is alive, there's a huge fight between Lauren and Laurie and Karen. And so. Granted, I mean, you know, I just, I'm hearing this, like, you know, secondhand. So I'm just like, I don't know how this played because I didn't see this version of the movie. Mm-hmm. But hearing this, I'm like, OK, it sounds like they made a movie that did address a lot of the legitimate concerns with that first movie and then scrapped them.
0: <laughs> right. And it's hard when you hear that to think about how much more effective the end of the film would be when, uh, spoilers in case you haven't figured out or haven't listened to the show before, when Karen dies, yeah. having spent that much more time with her and having invested even more in the relationship that she has with her mother, which was already fraught from that first film, I think it would have actually paid off a lot better.
1: Well, and how about this? Because I didn't catch this in the film. So there was also more scenes between Hawkins and Laurie because um, Hawkins is alive in this movie.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Color are shocked. <laughs> Did you pick up in the film that he's Karen's father? What? Okay. No. Okay. So there is a scene. There was a scene in the middle of the movie. It's it's when Laurie first wait, uh, wakes up and he's there. Like, and they're basically talking, and she apologizes mm-hmm. to him and says, I didn't say anything because I didn't know if it was you. I was such a mess back then. And he mentions right, something yep. about, oh, like how he always had a thing for her and like he kissed her, and oh, mm-hmm. she, he knew she had a thing for Ben Tramer. Yes. I didn't. I was like, whatever. Like, they're talking about random shit. Apparently, also in this original cut, there was a heavier implication of the fact that Hawkins is Karen's father. And in the original Mm. ending, Karen is 100% dead and mangled with her ringing phone falling out of her pocket. Michael picks it up. Laurie hears breathing, has a breakdown, declares, I'm coming for you, Michael, before walking out and ignoring Hawkins' worried questions. Which... I think the intention there is, oh, we're entering ends with a this time. It's even more personal mindset. Right, 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 right. But the way this ends, I'm just kind of like, well, I guess maybe they're like trying to like make it looks like she's dead, but she's not really because I don't know. Or maybe she I don't know. Nevertheless, hearing this after I had seen this movie, when I already didn't like the movie, I was kind of like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. That sounds like a movie I would have liked more. But I'll never know because, again, maybe it was done poorly in that version, too.
0: And there was a reason for these cuts.
1: Like, it's entirely Absolutely. possible.
0: Yeah, we've done so many episodes where we hear about these alternative cuts and they do sound great. But something about them, whether it was a bad studio faith or a botched marketing job or whatever the reason, some of these endings or some of these alternative cuts just may not be good. Like, they may sound better than what we got, but it doesn't actually mean they were better.
1: 100%. But granted, the film we're left with, it makes it look like Jamie Lee Curtis showed up for a day and shot all of her scenes and then grabbed a paycheck and left. <laughs> <laughs> She's a very busy lady. We talked about this. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, let's let's go through a brief rundown of how this came to be, because honestly, most of it kind of came out in our Halloween 2018 episode, but... Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to that. <laughs> go, Yeah, go listen to it. I, I thought we were very fair to that movie as well, but... Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll endeavor
0: to do the same for this one.
1: <laughs> yes, we will. So in June 2018, you know, this is before the original, the original, before 2018 Halloween comes out, Danny McBride confirms that he and David Gordon Green had originally intended to pitch two films that would be shot back to back. As I said Mm -hmm. earlier, they decided against that. So a couple months after Halloween comes out in October of 2018, so this is like February of 2019, it's confirmed that Scott Teams was in talks to write the script with Green and McBride. Now, of course, you'll remember there was a third writer on the original film, uh, and his name was Jeff Fradley. So they swapped him out for Mr. Teams, who I did some look into his work. He'd written like 13 episodes of a show called Rectify.
0: Um, Oh my God, you are kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no do you know rectify very well <laughs> oh i'm a huge fucking rectify fan oh like well, massive yeah. <laughs> massive it is a great show it is all about character development
1: oh well okay so maybe mm-hmm. that's why they they hired him for this movie but it doesn't shine through on it the does not
0: show then <laughs> <laughs> no. no
1: it does not and of course for halloween ends we're actually swapping out teams for two new writers so we're actually getting four writers on halloween ends with david gordon green and Danny McBride. Okay. (sighs) So... Basically, uh, in June of 2019, they're like, hey, yeah, we're going to start filming Halloween in September, July of that year. They say, oh, um, we're not only going to film Halloween kills and Halloween ends back to back, but we're also going to release them both in October 2020. Okay. see,
0: I always called bullshit on that. There is no way you were going to release two massive movies back to back. It's called you're going to do the it chapter one, chapter two deal. You're going to keep them a year apart because you're going to make shit tons more money
1: but the difference is there though it chapter two wasn't filmed back to back like they waited until one made money which is what obviously happened with kills here Mm -hmm. but yeah i I just like i mean has that ever happened i think the closest we've ever had to that is like when the matrix two and three came out what seven or eight months apart
0: yeah yeah that's probably the closest one because almost everything else is a full year yeah for sure
1: so yeah anyway so yeah july of that year again that they announced it's going to be halloween kills halloween ends i remember seeing so much uproar about how stupid the name halloween kills was which at this point i'm like well that, that was the least of my problems so yeah <laughs> and it kind of does accurately reflect what we get absolutely um it, it- Yes, it is not lying to you. You are paying for what you think you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Kills began production in September of 2019. They did not film them back to back like I think no. was originally going to be planned. So there's that. Andy Matichek has a um, who plays Allison has a quote where she's like the intense schedule prevented them from doing it.
0: So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stunts in this movie. So that does kind of make sense. Although I was just said, we've seen it before.
1: Right, exactly. Um, And of course, all three films were originally going to take place on the same night. So we were having like a trilogy of these three films all taking place on Halloween 2018. Obviously, that is not the case. COVID kind of, I think it was the pandemic. Like, basically, they said, hey, we're not doing them back to back. That's fine. But then the pandemic happened, they pushed back kills. And now we're getting an ends that is set four years later in 2022, post <laughs> this stuff and post pandemic, which apparently will be a plot point in ends, which,
0: which, ugh, no.
1: You know what? Prove me wrong. Like I, 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 <laughs> I don't have faith in that idea, especially given the handling of some things in this film, but. I want to be proven wrong. I want it to be something that I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm surprised that that turned out pretty well with this COVID set, this post COVID trauma slasher movie.
0: Yeah, I'll just say, I mean... Some of this sounds a little bit like marketing speak. And I know that, you know, somebody reached out to us and said that we should be a bit more careful with the way that we complained about Jamie Lee Curtis's Me Too comments with the Mm -hmm. first film. This new film, there has been a bit of a a meme slash clip package of Jamie Lee Curtis just saying the word trauma over and over again, talking about it. And Mm -hmm. I think some of that, it's probably best for us to maybe just take that step back from the way that people are talking about the movies until we're actually getting the movies so that we can say, oh, well, maybe COVID is just a blip that gets mentioned at one point, as opposed to a full blown plot point that, you know, everybody's going to be losing their shit over.
1: I do agree. And I, that's something I thought about when thinking about my thoughts on this film, because again, like they have been on the on the press train. I mean, you have Curtis talking about how the first one was trauma, blah, 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 But again, mm-hmm. like, they're also saying, oh, like, yeah, this is really like a a, bol- a statement on mob mentality and groupthink. And I'm like, sure, that that is a thing that's in this movie whether it's handled well
0: is up to the viewer, I guess. Right, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that people... Yeah, but let's leave it there. Never mind.
1: Well, no, but, 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 but I get what you're saying, though, right? Like, should we walk into a movie with the baggage of what we have heard from the filmmakers on the
0: press train? Yeah, I, I prefer to always just take the film, like, what am I seeing on the screen? What is it engaging with in terms of dialogue, character motivation, blah, 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 blah.
1: Right, because, again, at the end of the day, it's like we always say... Once the art leaves the creator, it is completely subjective. So intent Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. So whatever they're saying on the press tour technically doesn't really matter when factoring into our opinion of the film. And so, yes, I I had to do some soul searching and like compartmentalize (laughs) a lot of that when I was thinking about like what I was going to say with this film. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, the film was originally going to be released uh, October 16th, 2020, but in July 2020, it was pushed back because of the COVID pandemic to October 15th, 2021. It premieres at the 78th Venice Film Festival on September 8th of this year. To a mixed reception, we'll say. Right. The next day, on September 9th, it was announced that in addition to being released in theaters, the film would also be streamed on paid tiers of Peacock for 60 days. And, of course, there was this whole hubbub like, oh, I guess Blumhouse was scared by the bad word of mouth. They're going to put it on streaming to save box office. I don't think that's true. I don't think that they can just in a day um, make a streaming (laughs) deal. (laughs)
0: Well, and I think one of the things that people need a better understanding of is that at the end of the day that was a, that was entirely a financial decision but likely not from the Blumhouse theatrical side, that was probably Peacock saying, we're not getting the uptake that we want on our streaming service. Mm -hmm. We're going to throw money at the problem and we're going to lure a big title like Halloween Kills because we're seeing HBO Max do the exact same thing. Netflix has been doing it with like gobbling up big name film directors. People need to understand the streaming wars are still happening. This isn't about bad movies or fears of theatrical... Releases not right. doing well. This is about streamers being like, we need to gobble up content, throw money at it.
1: Well, and I mean, granted, like comparing this to something like Malignant isn't really apt because Malignant isn't like the 12th sequel in a franchise. But exactly. Exactly. It does go to show that because, again, a lot of these HBO Max movies outside of Godzilla versus Kong from back in March haven't <laughs> really done the business that people wanted because, I mean, honestly, it seems like everyone with their mom has HBO Max, but no one has Peacock.
2: <laughs> no,
0: and that's why Peacock, you know, they, they put a feather in their fucking cap because they scored this deal. And I think the fact that we ended up with a giant box office regardless is proof that with the right title, you can do both streaming and day and day release. Yeah. But but granted, like, it didn't phase this film's box office. And again,
1: for that, Mm -hmm. I'm like, fucking yeah. Like, that's awesome. So this film... In one weekend, while it's also streaming on Peacock, and again, like I mean, we can make fun of people that don't have Peacock, or whatever. But like, obviously, this is also being pirated all over the world right now.
0: Oh, sure, yeah,
1: yeah. But this movie grossed fifty point four million in the United States and Canada, um, and five and a half million internationally <laughs> for a worldwide hmm. total of fifty five point nine million dollars. When it was originally supposed to gross like thirty five to forty, so it overperformed while also having a day and date. That is. Awesome! I just wish it was for a better movie. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> the caveat, the asterisk. yeah. I know, and I'll I'll lay off on that because we're about to dive into the whole plot and everything. But you know, reception oh, on Rotten Tomatoes, we're looking at a forty percent uh, based on one hundred and sixty two reviews, uh average rating of five point one out of ten. Which it's a honestly, that's kind of about where I'm falling. I think I'm really at the four out of ten slash two out of five. Rating for this, but like yeah. a five point one out of ten seems accurate from for me at least.
0: And you had to remember that the opinion of the twenty eighteen film has soured a little bit in you know the way that you and I have actually become a little more generous towards it. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who, in hindsight, they were just so fucking excited for a Halloween forty years after the fact with Jamie Lee Curtis, twenty years since she had been in that role, like obviously when that first film came out heightened expectations people were losing their minds about it and then we had three years to cool our tits and the sequel comes out and i think a lot of people carried over some of the negativity from that first film into the new film so like it's not unusual for sequels to see lower ratings even if the film is better or like way worse like the new film often gets punished
1: yes absolutely which that that's just the cycle of a horror sequel. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Metacritic, we're looking at a forty-two out of a hundred. Letterboxd, we're looking at a five point six out of ten. And Cinema Score audiences gave it a B minus. So okay, say what you. I, I think it's i'm I'm loathe to use the the term crowd pleaser but mm. this does seem like i mean again if you're wanting to go see like a horror movie with a bunch of killing like this is it and it ends on a cliffhanger that for some people it really works I, and when we get into the plot i will go into why it doesn't work for me
0: right yeah i do think this is a bit of a film that's also critic proof like i think the audience mm. i think the audience score really matters more at the end of the day because part of what we're also experiencing is once again, this kind of horror circle bubble, right? Like, so we're seeing people fighting about it all the time. I'm sure there were a bunch of people who just said, Hey, Blumhouse released a new movie. It's a Halloween film. It's October. Let's go see it. Like, I'm willing to bet that there are far more people who just kind of treated this as a night out, whether it was on the couch or actually in the theaters and just went and checked it.
1: Yeah, and again, that's awesome! Yay horror! Rambo, sis, boom ba!
0: <laughs> I can't do the rest of it.
1: I know, I know. We, we've been generalizing about this film for so much. So let's get into specifics, Joe. Let's talk about the plot of this movie. Um, plot is it being in quotes?
0: Oh my god, I have so much plot though. We're gonna be yeah. here all day. <laughs> <Well>, okay, <no.
1: laughs> anyway, so I, I will be totally honest. I I had drank wine during this screening, and. Okay as it, as the movie went on because i i was honestly like i like the flashback opening whatever i was into it. i was in the opening credits i love the opening credits and then as the movie went on like i kept rolling my eyes more and i guess i was like <laughs> making audible sighs oh, no. of, of, of discontent because my husband like after we're done he's like oh like it was very obvious you were not enjoying this movie <laughs> oh shit but you've seen this again like... right
0: you watched it a second time
1: Yes, no no no, yeah. So I watched it the first time on thir- on Friday night. Thursday night? No, yeah, Thursday night. And then I watched it again today to, to just see if my opinion had changed on it. And um, it, mm-hmm. it, it, did, it didn't get better, it didn't get worse. I just I felt the exact same about it.
0: Okay, I've only seen it the one time and I was trying to take relatively detailed notes. But I found that I was taking quite a lot of notes, which is usually a sign that I'm trying to kind of stay engaged with the film. So I'm <laughs> saying, okay, I'm going to do a, a really detailed plot description for this, as opposed to, oh, I'm getting lost in the film. Oh, I should should remember to write something down so i can remember it later so that was a sign for me it wasn't quite working
1: it's because the film bounces around more than we do in a really bad episode of poor queers (laughs) Put it on the poster. Bounces around more than
0: a shitty episode of Horror Quiz.
1: That's one hundred percent. I was like, this movie, like, literally, I was like, oh, like this scene, I'm kind of getting engaged, and then boom, we're cutting to someone else I don't give a shit about.
0: (laughs) Uh, I will say the introduction of a bunch of new characters and then us killing them off did not endear me to this filmmaking team. I have
1: things to say about the legacy characters
0: that are reintroduced in this film. (laughs) Let's get to them. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay. So we open with Cameron. Everyone remember Cameron? He's Allison's shitty boyfriend who, in another cut, wouldn't have been quite so shitty. He is played by Dylan Arnold. So- Okay, we're starting right here? Okay, go, right, go, go. Right,
1: So, I mean, again, if y'all didn't listen to the episode of 2018, like, go listen to it, because we go into this deleted scene from the first film. The only reason they cut that is because that's that, that scene ends with him going to jail. So, they like, they would have to have a reason at the beginning of this movie to get him out of jail to tell the story right. they wanted to tell. OK, I'm still a bit flunked, though, that we get like, hey, okay, like his apology in that deleted scene was so much more meaningful and earnest than mm-hmm. his. Hey, I'm really sorry, Allison. Come join the mob in this movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like she got a gentle one evening amnesia and is either very forgiving or has maybe lost her
1: marbles. <laughs> I mean, again, despite the fact that three years are between the release of these films, I'm really confused as to why everyone thought Lori was a nut in this movie, aka, I'm sorry, in the first movie, aka two hours ago. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Lori, get her. <laughs>
0: uh, it's just because we weren't seeing apparently 80% of this town in the first film.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all getting
0: drunk at Mix Bar for t- the talent show. There are at open mic night god damn it <laughs> okay. all right so we're still with cameron cameron has discovered that officer hawkins will patton is actually still alive and then almost immediately we go into a flashback from 1978 and this is where we see a young hawkins who is now played by thomas mann and he and his partner pete mccabe who is played by what the fuck jim cummings is doing in this movie i don't know okay hey, t-
1: t- okay. so uh, everyone was losing their shit for jim cummings i've seen both. Multiple- of snow hollow not my favorite but like Mm. is is there something else that he's really known for like i'm not saying this to be mean i just i was like oh that's that guy that wrote directed and started in wolf of snow hollow but he seems to really have a special place in the hearts of horror fans so i just i didn't know what it was
0: so wolf of snow hollow does have quite an avid fan base so i think people put him like rob savage uh josh rubin as kind of the new generation of up-and-coming exciting horror directors i don't think it hurts that people find him very attractive so it was like oh a famous horror director or someone that i recognize who was Mm -hmm. also hottie mckottie pants showing up unexpectedly in this horror film because i don't think it people really knew he was in it No, no
1: no no but it's also like it's a face only horror fans are going to know. Like, my theater didn't oh, go, sure. oh, when I was watching it. No.
0: Oh, yeah. He is not a known property, apart from the people who know Wolf of Snow Hollow.
1: I, and listeners, I am aware I'm in the minority Wolf of Wolf of Snow Hollow. I am aware that I a lot of people really like that movie. It just was not for me. Oh,
0: I fucking hate that movie.
1: <laughs> I feel like the longer we podcast together, like, the closer our our needs and wants from
0: movies are intertwining. <laughs> it's very scary to me. <laughs> so yeah, here's oh. a 10 minute flashback. Yeah, basically. So it's them patrolling. We get a little bit of background history about how Haddon feels very sleepy and nothing really happens apart from that Michael Myers incident from a while back. We are also introduced to young Lonnie Ellum, who is played by Tristan Eggerling, who later trips. He's threatened by Michael Myers. Uh, IMDB claims that this is a different actor than what we will see in the contemporary scenes and is apparently played by an actor named Aaron Armstrong. Okay.
1: Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, the, The actor playing young Lonnie... No, Michael Myers. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, I, I mean, I guess maybe because they're wanting it to be like a younger build, like make sure he walks younger, Don't, or like he's in his no. twenties. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd to me. And right off the bat, you know, you, you can disagree with me on what, what politics you think this movie's trying to do, but like, right, and maybe this isn't political, but right off the bat, we're getting, okay, cool. The bully from the original 1978 Halloween. Look, he was bullied too. And that's why he bullied Tommy in the original film. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Again, like I, I get it, like that's something that does make sense because a lot of times bullies are bullied, and that's why they're bully. But I'm just kind of like, again, we're introducing that, and it
0: just well, also it comes to nothing. It comes like to we're nothing. just <laughs> we're retroactively changing characters. You know, this film does have a certain amount of fan service, particularly in the way it brings back original characters from the 78 film. But then it also doesn't have a good handle on who they are. Or maybe that's just me being like, wait, you brought back Tommy Doyle and you did this to him? Oh, I
1: mean, wait till we get to Miss Nurse Marion Chambers, because I have thoughts to say about that and how this movie does her dirty. Whereas the entire opening scene of H2O does way more work for her and is way better.
0: This is true. Yeah. But we're not there yet. We're still in a 1978 flashback. Uh, Basically, what we need to know is that Hawkins was at the center of this, so it was teased in the 2018 film. Here we actually get to see it play out, except that there's a horrible moral issue at the center of it because his partner Pete was, yes, attacked by Michael Myers and eventually killed, but also... It wasn't Michael who killed him. It was young officer Hawkins, who is, by the way, an absolute garbage shot because he cannot hit the side of a barn wall when he is so shooting.
1: So what we have here, we're already making statements about cops because what we will get later is that another buddy cop covers this up for him. And we mm-hmm. also have Hawkins later telling Laurie, I should have shot him on the front lawn when he was surrendering. Like, so, or I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but like that's so. Yeah, we also have a movie that is. Pro cops shooting people who surrendered. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you can quibble. You could be like, "Well, no, that's that's the character. It's not the movie." But. Mm -hmm. i i i I don't i don't think the distinction is very clear in this case
0: well and it's a little bit problematic because a it's will Patton who everyone fucking loves and he's also been introduced as a very sound civil-minded kind of level-headed dude somebody that we like and i do think part of this is meant to be it's a bit of a condemnation that people can be one way and then change in the future which is what we see with lonnie as well but it's Mm, it's just a little bit like cake and eat it too where we're trying to shove this message down and it doesn't quite work and it's also like why are we doing this though like none of this pays off in enough of a satisfying way even when we factor in the mob mentality stuff that's gonna happen later
1: Unless it's going to pay off and Halloween ends,
0: which oh god, I, I,
1: I, I mean, I get, I get it though. If if you're listening to this and you are like yelling this at your speakers right now at us, I'm like, I, I do get it. Unfortunately, we have to review the mo- the movie yeah. quote unquote that we have in front of our faces, and so I cannot take into yeah. consideration what might happen in ends to excuse my issues with this movie.
0: Yeah, we can definitely speculate. We're probably going to do a little bit of that at the end, but at the same time. W- you know, this film was released independently of Ends. They were not <coughs> released at the same time. So, all we can do is judge this film. And this film ends up coming up lacking as a result because there's just all these unresolved issues, but not in like a cliffhangery, ooh, that's satisfying, ooh, I wonder how they're going to resolve this kind of way. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So, then we get what I think is a dog shit Donald Pleasant's cosplay. You think it's not bad? I think it looks fine. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out today that this apparently was not CGI, which is what I was going to blame. This is actually a construction foreman Tom Jones Jr. who is wearing 11 pieces of prosthetic makeup and hair pieces. Uh I don't know folks, this just did not look good to me and I I was like do not bring Donald Pleasant's into this please.
1: <laughs> I I You know, I, I thought we were just going to hear his voice because we hear his voice yelling like as um, mm-hmm. Thomas Mann is like, you know, trying to stop Jim Cummings from dying. And yes. I was but then we get that shot of him at the bottom of the stairs. And I was just like, oh, shit, we're doing this. Yeah. And of course, the score that's playing is the same score that played in the opening of Halloween as the camera pans away from child Michael and his parents are looking mm-hmm. at him like th- this was fan service. And I was like, you know what? Like, It's OK. I think there are moral elements at play with, like, you know, resurrecting a dead actor's performance um, into a film. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, like, this was fine. I was still on board during all this, even though it was kind of like, well, that's kind of hokey, but whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually on board with most of this film through the first act. So yes, we mm-hmm. cut back to 2018. Yes, we are at a Halloween open mic night. We are reintroduced to Tommy Doyle, who is now played by Anthony Michael Hall.
1: Did you also catch... So the, the, the couple that plays the doctor and the nurse, they were in the first movie. Oh, God, were they? So... The the shot when Michael is starting his like, you know, one tracker shot down the street, mm-hmm. there's a couple that are like fighting to get in their car and they're running late and blah, blah, blah. It, it is this
0: couple. Oh, really? OK, yeah. So, folks, if you don't know, we're talking about Marcus, who was played by Michael Smallwood and his girlfriend, Vanessa Carmela McNeil. They are in the doctor scrubs and the sexy nurse uniform.
1: And they're basically the audience surrogate. So people can so they can be reminded who all these legacy characters are when we meet
0: them. <laughs> I mean, that, and also, it feels like a deliberate attempt to address the fact that we really only had young Julian in the first film, as well as Weird Sheriff with the dumbass hat. Creighton Duke. Yeah, (laughs) Creighton Duke standing. And... (laughs) I was very much like, okay, cool, we're going to get these new characters, they're going to get something to do. Nope, nope, these characters are just here, yeah, as you said, to reintroduce legacy characters like Lindsay Wallace, played by Kyle Richards, Nurse Marion Chambers, once again played by Nancy Stevens, and Adult Lonnie, who is now played by Robert Longstreet. And then apart from that, they park in a car and die
1: the care the legacy characters who get away the best out of this movie for me it is kyle richardson's Lindsay, who i really really like her and i think she has the most suspenseful sequence in the film mm-hmm. but then she's out of the movie
0: <laughs> indeed yeah we basically jamie lee curtis or she gets to the hospital and we i don't even know if we ever see her again i mean i'm sure she'll show up back She'll show back up and ends.
1: I'm sure. But I mean, Lonnie, they at least try to do more with him because he's given lines. Um, Mm -hmm. Nurse Marion Chambers has, I want to say, three lines in this movie. Two of them are about Loomis. So she is here to be a Loomis stand in for two lines and talk about how Loomis (laughs) knew Loomis Lou, blah, 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 blah. And then get stabbed a bunch of times immediately.
0: Yeah, this poor actress, I love that she keeps coming back because she is a joy to see. And I yeah. love that visual connection. But at the same time, can someone please give her something to fucking do? Oh, wait, she's just dead again. <laughs> well, okay, but, but
1: in the beginning of each show, and again, I know it's like fruitless to compare to previous sequels, but you know what? This movie keeps reminding me of previous sequels. So what the fuck? It does. It does. She's a character still in h two L. Like, you know, she's kind of like this. She's the smoking, acerbic, like kind of mm-hmm. I'm not putting up with no shit. Like woman. Yeah, she's fun. Yes. And, and yes, yeah, she does die at the uh, at 10 minutes into the movie because she's, you know, the scream opening kill. Mm-hmm. She's not a character in this movie. She's nothing.
0: No. She's literally
1: no. a face to remind you about Loomis before getting killed in a manner that is similar to how we met her in the original Halloween.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. and folks if you want to hear our thoughts on h2o we do have a patreon audio commentary on it so you know go listen to that Mm -hmm. okay so yeah basically this bar scene is to reintroduce them and to make sure that we still understand that the town knows who the fuck the strodes are so we all cheer to and then we immediately cut to the strodes where we left them off at the end of the last film
1: one last gripe so okay
0: (laughs) just one just
1: one just just one so so, so tommy's speech right it, it is literally so we're getting flashbacks constantly as he's like telling us oh, oh like yeah. lindsey wallace we see lindsey wallace in halloween it does not trust us to know who the fuck these people are does it oh this movie flashes back to a i, I think a scene earlier in the in its own film later in the movie <laughs> I hate it when shows do that here's the thing and i know people don't have a problem with this but here's my thing do not tell me these sequels do not exist. Halloween 2 through Halloween oh Resurrection yeah. do not exist. They have not happened in this in this new continuity. Mm-hmm. And then show me a shot from Halloween 2. From 1981's Halloween 2 in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had someone. It's, of course, whenever we get a flashback to Sheriff Brackett pulling the curtain off of um or the, the sheet off of Annie's corpse to, like, see that she has right. died. Okay. And I get it. You know, people are like, oh, I can look past that because that probably would have happened. And I'm like, you know what? you're right it probably would have happened but don't show that to me like don't show me a scene from a movie that you were telling me does not exist in this continuity and also in that movie Ben Tramer was hit by a car and we're referencing Ben Tramer in this movie later
0: so Mm. Yeah, it's just such a, it's such a weird phenomenon with me for these films, because I can appreciate if they say, you know what, we didn't like those other dog shit movies, we're just going to erase them from the continuity. This is what the Halloween franchise kind of loves to do. But then Mm -hmm. also, yeah, we're so desperate to do this fan service. And it really bothered me when I first saw 2018. And then I got over it. And then we come back into this film. And I'm like, Oh, my God, we're still doing it. Like, Folks, make your own fucking movie and stop doing this. I can take nods. I mean, again, like, you know, we have the Halloween 3
1: masks in both movies. Whatever, cool. Like, that's cool. I'd love seeing the masks. But like, what if you showed me a fucking shot of Tom Atkins doing something in Halloween 3? Like, no, don't make a nod. Don't directly Mm -hmm. reference it. It is text. This shot from Halloween 2 is text in this new continuity. So fuck off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And scene.
1: Scene. I'm done. Now we can move on to the strode. Oh, okay. Also, by the way. Curtis, her first line that is not, let it burn, let it burn, is 53 mm-hmm. minutes into this
0: movie. Whoa, really? I'm, really? I am clucked it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> also, this movie is too long. Kind of? It's the same I mean, as the wait.
1: first one, but I feel like less happens.
0: <laughs> well, we have a lot of extraneous stuff, which, I mean, my God, we are like two paragraphs into this plot description. Yeah. We have so much to cover. Okay. Lori's back. Jamie Lee Curtis. Karen's back. Judy Greer. Allison's back. Andy Matichek. They're in this car. Yes, we're driving to the hospital and the firemen are arriving to put out lori strode's house and she's like oh shit don't do it blah 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 yeah Um, cops die
1: i mean sorry cops die firefighters die
0: (laughs) all these firefighters die they inadvertently release michael and this is cool this is cool yeah uh so james jude courtney nick castle once again apparently there were 11 firemen who get killed in the scene i think that there are two instances that david gordon green shows Something interesting with his direction. This is one of them. The POV shots from inside the dead fireman's uh visor, as we see Michael dispatching a mm-hmm. bunch of these other dudes. I yeah. liked it. It's not the most innovative thing, but it was something different.
1: Are you saying so there are two things that are in this scene specifically, or two things in the no, whole movie? In this whole
0: fucking movie. There's only okay. I don't like David Gordon Green as a director. I find him too workman-like. He doesn't bring enough style to anything.
1: I would mostly agree the, uh, and I I don't know what your second instance is, but I will tell you mine because it is very, very soon. And it is when the, the Lori's next door neighbors get killed. And we have a shot that focuses on the woman as she's dying. And we can hear Mm -hmm. Michael doing something with her husband's body, but the camera like pans in a circular motion, Mm -hmm. staying on her until we see him. like just stab him like with five different knives. I I was like, Oh, like that's really cool. Um, nothing else really after this really matches it for me
0: (laughs) okay yeah I think that's on par well maybe a a step under that kind of one take where Michael wanders through the houses and kills a couple people and picks up his knife in the first film it felt like a, a call back to that but not quite as stylish yeah I didn't Mind it, to me, that's one of the things that I don't care about as much with the Halloween franchise is Michael's is just kinda always off killing random people and I don't care if we kill random people. Like I know that gore hounds like it because this is gnarly, watching this woman get stabbed with a fluorescent light. Right. Ooh shit. You know, yeah, if that's what hurts. you're here for, it's good. But for me, I'm like, okay, this is time, like this is three to four minutes that I could have been spending with Karen and Allison and Lori. Mm. No, I I, I I agree with you. Like, I mean,
1: and, and that's why I'm just kind of like, well, I think that's where the first one did it right. It limited that to one sequence. Like, we are having <laughs> one sequence of him going around killing a bunch of randos. Unfortunately right. for this movie... It's the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And granted, some characters get more screen time than others. I mean, like we'll talk about the gays when we get to them, but like they at least Mm. have scenes of dialogue (laughs) before they die.
0: (laughs) I I have so many thoughts about them. Yes. So we'll we'll get to them shortly. Okay. So Lori goes into surgery. We are reintroduced to former Hattonfield Sheriff Lee Brackett, who is played by Charles Cypher. He overhears Karen mentioning oh book that's Lori. she just got brought in and then there's a couple moments that i do want to give this film recognition and praise and this is one of them where we get it's it's too brief for my liking yep. but the recognition from karen and allison that they are grieving for ray and that he was a good father and i just think it's really touching I wanted more of this kind of
1: stuff. And and this is where it's kind of coming from for me, right? Because how how much did we say specifically? What did we want the most of out of 2018? Mm -hmm. We wanted more Mm -hmm. of the Strodes together. Yes, yes. And this film almost goes to efforts to keep them apart. Yes. And you know what? Fine. You can look at us and say, well, this is really focusing on the other members of the town and we're going to go back to the Strodes later. We have no way of knowing that. But I'm like, you know what? It's a safe assumption. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you know what? They released a poster for this movie with all three three stro women being like, oh, it's the Stroh. it's blah 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 blah. And I mm. think combined they have a total of like less than 30 minutes of screen time in this movie.
0: Yes. And the frustration for me is that I understand that this is kind of what we have to do because we've decided to keep it on all, all on one night. And there's mm-hmm. only so much that you can do. Like, Lori literally goes into surgery for her abdomen. She's fucking bleeding out all over the place. You're not going to get her up and doing a bunch of stuff. So if you're not going to have Karen do it and you're not going to have Allison do it, then you need to introduce other characters. But I also just feel like, well, why did we make this creative decision when we took a year off Because we Mm -hmm. didn't shoot it back to back with the 2018 film and we decided to add another film to it. like Why did we go with this creative decision where we said the thing that people liked about that first film, we're not going to give it to them? we're going to do mob mentality with a bunch of characters we don't know.
1: And it makes the ending of this film, Judy Greer's death, even more frustrating because when the credits rolled, I was I wasn't like, oh my god, I'm so sad because Karen is dead. I mm. was like, fuck, this movie didn't give me what I wanted from Judy Greer, and now we're sure shit not going to get in the next movie unless, again, she's miraculously going to be
0: alive with scars four years later, which... And I don't think that's gonna I don't think that's the case. Like, she's done exit interviews from this film where she's like yeah it's very sad I mean she could be lying for the sake of generating press and we'll all be very excited next year Mm I am pretty sure that this is a death that is going to stick and that is disappointing, because not just because we fucking love Judy Greer, but mm-hmm. also because you're like, uh, it's not as impactful as it could have been yeah. because you didn't give her the screen time.
1: I saw um, one of our friends, Amelia Emberwing, was like, oh, I love The Decision Made because I don't care about it. And that's a problem. <laughs> oh, OK. Oh, she was being critical. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. no, no, <laughs> no, because 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 yes, we love Judy Greer. But these movies have done nothing as have have given the character of Karen nothing yeah. i mean she gets more to do in this movie thank god but mm-hmm. it's still just like nothing and so when, when she died yeah. it wasn't like i was like oh fuck i'm sad Karen's dead. it's like oh these two movies
0: have misused this great character actress and that sucks I mean, thank God, set Judy Greer free so she can go off and do something else. But yeah, it's definitely one of those things where we look back on it and say, well, fuck, we were excited to see Judy Greer in this. And at the end of the day, we were excited we got to see Judy Greer. Who the fuck is Karen? Still don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a
1: great way of putting it.
0: <sighs> okay, so we're back at the bar. Yeah, we've got Marcus and Vanessa hanging out with our returnees. And then this is where the penny starts to drop. Oh, shit. Michael Myers is not dead. We're getting phone calls from Cameron. Uh, we're getting okay. Sheriff Barker at this crime scene. He's played once again by Omar Dorsey. So the, the firemen's bodies have come out. And also we're getting a news report that does confirm... Poor Julian from the first film, Jabral Nan Tambu, is still alive, but this is also all we get of Julian in this movie.
1: It is, but do you know what else happens on this news broadcast that that Tommy is watching? By the way, mm-hmm. it shows a picture of the little mental patient that will soon jump out of a window, saying, "This is a, there are other mental patients that escaped." By the way, here's one of them. <laughs>
0: Right. Yes, we actually get two pictures. Of course, the picture of Michael Myers's face is blurred, but presumably Mm -hmm. in the bar, they would have seen it. This is one piece that I have seen a lot of vocal reactions to where it's like, so we're confusing Michael Myers, who is six foot five or something with this short Slightly rotund gentleman who appears to be about five foot four, whose face is very publicly not Michael Myers. And the residents of Haddonfield cannot spot the difference.
1: And uh, you know what? Okay. You can say, hey, that's the film's statement on mob
0: mentality. Mm-hmm. It makes people blind, it makes them do Absolutely. stupid things. Like, sure. Totally get it. I just don't Mm -hmm. think it works. Yeah, I don't think it works. And then we have to get hit over the head a couple of times about how bad it is. And that just felt like i was being talked down to frankly when you have bracket looking at that body
1: going he's turned us all into monsters it's
0: like mm-hmm. movie can you just trust me to get the message well and that is one of the issues right it's the same reason why they have to give us glimpses of what these actors were like in their first iterations back in 1978 and so on because right. the movie doesn't trust us to actually recognize oh when i say Lindsay, and i told you this is in continuity with 1978 <laughs> i'm trusting you to know who i'm talking about
1: yeah i mean again i get that that's that's for people who may not be horror junkies like we are. So it's like, hey, for all you new people that maybe haven't seen the original in forever. But I'm like, you know what? Fuck those people. They're already in the theater. Like, <laughs> I don't well, know what to tell you. Like, let them go watch the original.
0: Or do it in an organic fashion so that we can say, you were there that night, Lindsay. You barely survived this. Cool. Now we've yeah. established it. Let's move on. Like, it's it's not great storytelling. Does Lindsay even talk to Lori in this movie? Oh, fuck no, she doesn't.
1: Okay, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, that, that's not a critique. Like, whatever. As you said, Lori's incapacitated, but I'm just like, all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're on a high alert because we know that Michael Myers has returned. So the party at the bar dissipates. Vanessa goes out to Ricard. This is where uh she discovers somebody's lurking in the back seat. So we're doing a little bit of an urban legend play. Tommy immediately grabs this bat from behind the bar and this mob starts to build. So we're getting Figaro playing in the car. They advance on it. It drives away, crashes immediately, and the driver escapes. But now we think, oh, Michael Myers was out here. He's on the run let's start to gather the mobs and the pitchforks and the torches and do the song from... What is it, Trace?
1: Oh, my God. Okay, it is not here. But, (laughs) y'all... In the hospital, I think it's after whenever Tommy tells Laurie, like, oh, like you protected (laughs) me all those years ago, let me protect you, blah, 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 blah. But when the mob is forming, so I literally thought they were going to burst into the mob song, which is what it's called, from Beauty and the Beast. And not helping (laughs) matters was that the score that was playing. So, you know, Tommy gets up there and he's doing his Gaston thing. The Beast will make off with your children. He'll run off with your wives. Mm -hmm. But the score that is playing is very similar, like, staccato beats, except in this case it's synth instead of Beauty and the Beast, like violin or
0: whatever, of bum, 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 bum. And
1: I was like, <laughs> are we about to do the mob song in this shit? What the fuck are you doing?
0: <laughs> uh, sidebar, if we have any talented listeners, I would love for someone to actually make that. So please take this scene in question and put the mob song from Beauty and the Beast over it and then send it to us.
1: And, and, you know, Beauty and the Beast is a great movie. It's a cartoon, whatever. But, like, I shouldn't be watching this R-rated slasher movie and being reminded of a children's cartoon. And may- maybe that's on me. <laughs> I think I'm the only one who has vocalized this opinion about Mob Song. But, like, come on, y'all. And if this was just a stupid slasher movie, like so many people keep telling me it is, which, I mean, it is stupid, but it doesn't think I it's will- stupid. <laughs>
0: and that's the issue. I will agree with you that I think it is... It believes it's doing more work here than it is actually giving us, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> I'm like trying to. Call, I, I know I'm getting into my like rage mode. I'm like, nope, Trace. Like, it's yep. it's okay. Yep. it's bring just it back a to movie. a simmer,
0: just to a boil.
1: <laughs> just the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, ah!
0: <laughs> it's still so fresh. It's so fresh. It's very fresh. Very fresh. Okay, so, so you know, <laughs> speaking of mad and annoyed. Let's introduce queer couple Big John, played by Scott MacArthur, and Little John, played by Michael McDonald.
1: Joe, I've gone on. Yeah, Mm. tell me, what is your issue here?
0: Okay, so uh, let me climb up onto my soapbox. (laughs) We talk a lot about queer representation, the kinds of things that we would like to see what happens when people who are not members of a community who try to speak for that community it doesn't always go well and i'm not suggesting you know again we could say this is a stupid slasher film they're including a couple of people of color they're including a couple of queer characters this Mm -hmm. isn't I'm I'm not going to suggest that this is homophobic or that it's incredibly offensive but we are very clearly playing with certain kinds of stereotypes about affluent white gays who are mm-hmm. ridiculous and sassy who have apparently immaculate interior design skills who put down a golf club so that they can pick up a cheese knife when they discover a stranger in their house uh who take off a robe so that we can walk around in satin boxer shorts like um who don't call the police when they see a bloody handprint in their house (laughs) Mm -hmm. who literally refer to each other a life partner as Big John or Little John, not just John or a different nickname or something like that. These are queer characters who have been written by straight people and what we got are caricatures. And I do want to give a shout out to Kay from Salem Horror Fest because she did go on a bit of a Twitter rant about this because I hadn't thought of it. I just thought, oh, the Big John, Little John thing is fucking dumb. I don't like it. And Kay Mm -hmm. said, it's actually leaning into... It's not malicious homophobia, but it's like inching towards that. Because if you think about it, this is straight filmmakers and screenwriters saying, basically, we have a queer couple who call each other big dick and little dick. Because John, Johnson.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. And it's it's also like, so I I wasn't as bothered by this as you were. That being said, seeing it in a theater with a crowd of people. Like, mm-hmm. they were being laughed at. It's a distinction of, like, oh, okay, are absolutely. we laughing with these characters, no. or are we laughing at yes. these characters? Absolutely. And it is laughing at them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, again, I wasn't particularly bothered, because I was like, I mean, yeah, sure, like, there are totally gay couples like that out in the
0: world. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's just more, oh, this is the only queer representation that we're going to get in this movie. Yeah. And are we introducing other characters so that we can just explicitly laugh at them? No. But it's apparently totally cool. Let's do it with the queer characters.
1: Well, and they're introduced because they're living in the Myers house, because of course these two mm-hmm. gays like bought up the
0: Myers house at whatever fucking deal it was in yeah, <laughs> and like did it all up like with home makeover. Yeah, I did see a couple of funny references from various folks saying, oh, OK, this is apparently the day and age where queer couples will buy rock bottom real estate, zhuzh it up and then brutally be dismembered and murdered a la AHS Murder House season one.
1: I mean, and, and there, there are many bad decisions made in this movie. And again, I've seen people complain where it's like, well, I mean, you know, like if you were in a horror movie, would you? And I'm like, yes, I don't. I totally mm-hmm. get that. Oh, yeah. We would all be dead if we were in a horror film. 100%. But there is a difference between, oh, my God, I'm being chased and I'm, I I have to I have a split second to decide which way to go. So I'm running up the stairs instead of going out the front door. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a bad decision that, okay, fight or flight, whatever. Between sure. an illogical decision, like again, not calling the cops when you see a bloody handprint in your house mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. sitting in a car watching a nurse get murdered when you have an easy out to get away
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the the residents of Haddonfield are apparently prone to mob mentality and also just really shit decision making but
1: again illogical it, you can make a bad decision in a movie by all means like your adrenaline's up whatever but it's a logic. it makes no sense but yeah I digress
0: You digress. But before we move on, Trace, I would like to play a round of comedy. So since we are laughing at these characters, (laughs) let's have a couple of jokes at their expense, shall we? Sure. So I'm going to tell jokes and you're going to try to give me the punchline. So here we go. Okay. Where do Big John and Little John order pizza from? It's rapid fire. Let's go, man. Let's go.
1: Uh, Big Big I I don't know.
0: Papa John's. Oh. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I I get what we're doing. All right, what is Big John and Little John's favorite TV show?
1: Um, uh, John in Cincinnati.
0: Would accept, yes. uh, I was looking for Dirty John. All right. When it gets cold outside, what do Big John and Little John wear? Long Johns. There we go. And your final one. Oh, yeah, I got one. (laughs) Who is Big John and Little John's favorite former wrestler? Fuck, I I don't know any wrestlers' names. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh,
1: (laughs) you said these were bad jokes i think they're really funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) terrible terrible okay back to the movie do you think the
1: film does the same thing with um marcus and what's her face um in terms of being like your token black characters in a movie oh absolutely
0: yeah (laughs) i i don't read them myself a white person i do not read them quite as caricaturized but um I think it's telling that, like, arguably the biggest joke death in the movie comes at Vanessa's expense. Oh, yeah, you're sure right about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But also, uh, just to to go back to my very stupid game, I will say that if Big John and Little John opened up their relationship, I 100% think that they would try to find a Papa John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I literally was like, I don't know what you're trying to say with this joke. So I just made up a fake pizza place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no big dicks by the way I, I just made it i was like what is he trying to do here
0: <laughs> again challenge to listeners find like, us a big dicks pizza i'm willing to bet it exists
1: but also hopefully you caught on to the game faster than i did because i'm quite embarrassed by, by my lack of ability to catch on <laughs> oh
0: no sweetie you just added that down so it sounds like super fast-paced and quick No, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's go back to the hospital where we have Allison and Karen. They're being questioned by Deputy Graham, who is a... Character in this movie, played by Brian F. Durkin and Sheriff Barker, respectively. This kind of just feels like a bit of a catch up. Like, yeah, we're doing our due diligence that the police would investigate a little bit of what happened earlier this evening. And then Cameron arrives and he tells Allison about the mob that Tommy Doyle is putting together. And she tells mom she wants to go because she wants to avenge dad. And this really undoes a lot of the grief stuff from earlier. And I have a question for you, Trace. Why is it that Karen believes that Michael is coming after Lori and coming to the hospital? <sighs> okay, I think I can make sense
1: of this because Karen, I mean, she doesn't know about Sartain, like only Allison does. But mm-hmm. to Karen, Michael got loose and then showed up at Lori's house. She doesn't know. Oh. So, so that's all, Karen. I mean, again, maybe I'm Maybe she does know about something. Maybe Allison told her when they were crying about the dad. But mm. I, I think that's the logic. There is that to Karen, it is just Michael got out and Michael showed up at
0: Lori's house. Right. Okay. I guess that makes sense, because I, I spent a bunch of time in the scenes wondering why Karen was flipping her lid, demanding for extra security. And I was just like, OK, what does Karen seemingly know that we don't? Or is it just, you know, we're doing a riff on Halloween, too, or we're setting up Halloween ends? Yeah, I, well, I mean, um, same thing with this
1: Cameron thing, though. Karen, Cameron tells Allison after he apologizes really quickly, by the way.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, we're already forgiven.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, even before this, I love the when we, we get to tell Judy Gray that Michael's alive. But then instead of her reaction, we get a smash cut to Allison, who just goes,
2: what? <laughs> OK,
1: <laughs> but Cameron tells her he's infected your family. He's infected my family with grief and fear for 40 years. He's going to die tonight. I'm like, OK. I kind of get it with the Strode's because again, it wasn't really Michael. I mean, it was the trauma that he inflicted on Lori that ma- that made her raise Karen the way she did, and like you know, that fucked up their family. Mm-hmm. This movie invents a trauma for Lonnie in this opening flashback, right? Right, but we don't know how this has impacted their family. And granted, I, I'm nitpicking here because again, this is one line from Cameron. Whatever. But the problem is, we don't have an entire movie showing Lonnie's trauma and what effect that had on his family. Outside of maybe he drinks more often than he should, and his son mm-hmm. is kind of a shitbag sometimes. Yeah. And again, like we have a movie where where Lonnie really has more to do in this movie than Laurie Strode, which is fine none of it has any substance to it so i'm just sitting here like all right well there's that kid from the first movie who was a bully and that's it Mm -hmm. there's nothing here to feed me to feed me into this character to make me give a shit about this character outside of the fact that he was in the original film right
0: yeah i i spent a lot of time thinking about this after i had first watched the film. I don't think it could have flown because people are too attached to Jamie Lee Curtis and Laurie Strode, and obviously we wanted more of Karen and Allison, but I couldn't help but think that this film actually would have been more successful if we had just said, lori's in surgery she's at the hospital and then we don't see any of them for the rest of the film and we're only following either tommy or lonnie or cameron or somebody else and it's like we've got a new focal point that we can actually just tell a story because this movie very much wants to say oh look at what michael has done to this entire town it's not just lori who's been affected by the legacy of this Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't want to do the work. Like, it has Tommy make a brief speech at this bar. It has Cameron drop that in one line. We're going to talk about some really shit purple prose that Jamie Lee Curtis has to say later on. And it's just like, oh, man, this is not good stuff, folks. Like, if you wanted to tell this story, you needed to spend the time to actually address these issues.
1: And we haven't addressed the Anthony Michael Hall in the room, but um, Ooh. he is actively not good. And I don't know if it's because he's not a good actor or if it's because he is given not very good dialogue. Because, again, like I don't think this is a good script. I think a lot of the lines are very, very bad. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if like, I mean, again, had Paul Rudd been in this role? like Would he have done it better? I-, I don't know. But I don't know. I can tell you right now, Anthony Michael Hall in this movie is not good. And Tommy is,
0: oh, boy. Yeah, like he's a really... I mean, part of this is that, to me, he's he's striking off all of the conservative kind of mega anti-vaxxer vibes that just make me bristle. So I don't like him as a character, but that's my own politics that's coming into play. I feel like the film is taking an easy escape route by saying, oh, yeah, this is Tommy Doyle. You remember Tommy. He's a beloved character from this franchise, and this is who he is now, and you have to invest in that. And I'm just like, no, this is just a guy who's an asshole. And you named him Tommy Doyle.
1: But it's not even the fact where I'm like, oh, my God, hey, they took this beloved character and like made him like a right-wing MAGA person. Like, uh, You know mm-hmm. what? Whatever. But Tommy's not like, I don't give a shit about Tommy. <laughs> okay. okay. I just think that Anthony Michael Hall's a really bad actor in this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, that's also fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I do think it's a bit more of the lines, like he's not mm-hmm. a character. He's a mouthpiece for a mob. And right. that's not a lot to work with. But I don't also think that Anthony Michael Hall is doing anything to elevate the performance.
1: Right. No, I would agree with you there as
0: well. Okay. So speaking of this mob, let's get to a little bit of its formation. So we get a montage of Lonnie, Tommy, Lindsay, Nurse Marion, Vanessa, Marcus, and also Allison, because she has snuck out after leaving the knife for grandma. So they are driving around, they're recruiting volunteers for the mob or telling other people, it's not safe, you need to go inside.
1: Another line that I'm confused by. Michael Myers Mm -hmm. has haunted this town for 40 years. Tonight we Mm hunt him down. Um, According to 2018, no one gives a shit about Michael Myers.
2: <laughs> no one cares
1: except for Laurie Strode because she's the basket case. So Michael Myers has not haunted this town for 40 years. He has been forgotten. The entire reason we have Tommy's speech at the beginning is so that Marcus can be like, Oh, I didn't know about any of that about the Boogeyman and I've lived here my entire life. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> I think that's why we brought back these legacy characters, because they are the ones who say, oh, I'm haunted by this tragedy because I have been living for 40 years with this. And then they infect the rest of the town with their hysteria and their paranoia i don't think it works but i do kind of think that that's why we're doing it this way it's not just random haddonfield residents who are saying this it's the people who were directly affected by it 40 years ago
1: and you know what and i know that we we're not we we're ignoring halloween too because it's this brother sister thing that's what they wanted to get rid of but honestly mm-hmm. and this is a complaint that people had with halloween 2018 and I, I was like ah fuck it whatever i'll buy into it okay because it's laurie but when we're extending it to the whole town being like oh my god this was like a big thing which i get it you know three mm-hmm. teenagers were killed but it would make more sense if it was also Halloween 2 and all the employees at that hospital.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Which, you know what? They'll probably do it in Halloween ends.
1: Probably. The,
0: I mean, again, <laughs> we, the, we
1: keep talking about uh, the whole thing with McBride and Green was like, oh, Michael's just a man in these movies. He's not superhuman. And, but obviously, Oh, but, that's bullshit. Because well, this movie makes thing. him super fucking human. Exactly. And granted, maybe Ends will address this, maybe as some kind of genetic disorder, so it like makes sense or whatever. But it's like just fucking cult of Thorn it. Like that seems like that's where you're going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Magic and supernatural. (laughs) Ugh. Okay, Okay. so they wind up parking at the outskirts of a public park where Lindsay sees the shitty teens who were annoying the gay couple earlier. Mm -hmm. So she gets out of the car to go and tell them, you gotta go home, there's a serial killer on the loose. And we do get a slightly amusing sexual euphemism from Vanessa when she asks Marcus about his big gun. And uh, (laughs) then Michael attacks. And we lose Marion, Vanessa, and Marcus. They're all just... More or less killed.
1: I mean, again, I I will just reiterate, if Marion had more than three lines and more than one that wasn't about Loomis, like, I just... I'm so sad that this character was wasted like this.
0: They kind of make her garbage. She can't work a gun. She can't shoot. Like, nobody in this film can shoot, apparently. Uh, Marcus is also very, very stupid. And Vanessa is apparently also very stupid because she just accidentally dies by suicide because michael kicks the gun so it discharges in her face yeah and i get that i think it's supposed to be like oh it's a funny shocking gory kill but uh, all of this i was just like okay i guess this is what we're doing i thought
1: that the when marcus gets the knife in his eye i thought that looked really cool like that, that was probably the death that okay. like, hurt the most yeah But yeah, I mean, yeah, all this is just okay, like whatever it's it's kill, kill, kill. But then we at least do get him stalking Lindsay through these trees. And I mean, (laughs) I have no connection to Kyle Richards. I've never seen an episode of Real Housewives of anything. So I don't (laughs) I I can't speak to any of that. But I genuinely enjoyed watching her here. And I was like, fuck, yeah, more of this.
0: Yeah, because I think there's a sense of play. And this is an actual chase scene. Like, these movies have not really given us much of this. It's usually just Michael arrives, Michael kills people, Michael leaves. So to actually have somebody get a few good licks in, because I do like that she's got a bit of ingenuity. She puts bricks into that staple of Halloween trick-or-treating, the pillowcase. And then, yeah, she realizes I am not going to win this. He is way too strong for me. And she hightails it into the woods. And I was like, this is proper slasher. I'm actually enjoying this yes. right now. No, I don't I know agree. that it has anything to do with Kyle Richards. But in terms of the staging and the development, I was like, yeah, OK, more of this, please
1: yeah and also i do love the touch though because he only lets her go because she she starts taking off his mask and it's only then that he like throws her to the side otherwise she would have been Mm. dead so i was like okay i mean that's kind of a callback to the first one when he's like trying to strangle lori and like she pulls
0: his mask off but Mm -hmm. still i was like okay cool like that's kind of fun sure do you like it later when karen also does it
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're calling back to the original movie and an earlier scene in this movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. Hey, like, if it works once, keep doing it, save yourself, rip off a mask or two. Well, you know
1: where we are, Joe? We are at the 53-minute mark when Lori finally gets to say something.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I I basically just condensed a bunch of shit. So it's like Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison find the car and all the bodies. Halloween 3 mass. Lindsay's still alive. Cool. Okay, let's go back to the hospital. So Hawkins is brought into the same room as Laurie. They do, yes, their kind of emotional connection thing. It's tender. It's sweet. I didn't mind this. I didn't get anything out of it. But it's two actors I enjoy watching interacting
1: well, and that's the th- I mean, again, if my sources, plural, uh, statement about, oh, yeah, the original cut that I saw a couple years ago or a year ago, like it had more to do with how Frank was Karen's father.
0: Like, that's mm-hmm. cool. There are remnants of that here. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, it's a we could have been something and it just didn't go that way. And I like giving... Just a bit more of a shade of backstory to these characters. Right. It's not like they're doing much more with Hawkins and Laurie than they did with Lonnie, but I know who these two are, so I care more. Maybe that's not fair, but it's true. And the exact
1: line from Laurie we get in this scene. So she's talking to Hawkins and she goes, Do you remember that night at the bar? Mm -hmm. I never said anything because I couldn't be sure. I was so messed up, but you helped me. I always liked you.
0: Hmm. Yeah, see, I definitely just read it as you helped me when I was attacked by Michael in 1978 and I was messed up and you were there for me. But with this new information, it does read differently.
1: Which, I mean, if this is supposed to be a reveal and Halloween ends, I apologize to everyone for spoiling that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're magic. Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but enough of this tender shit, Trace. Let's move down to the ER, which is rapidly filling with people who are hysterical and they're losing their minds. You know, they're so scared. Oh, my God. We've got people arriving and saying, hey, has my son or daughter been brought in? And it is not good. It is camp.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you brought up the C word because... I have seen that. Dis- it, it, it does. It does fall into that category. And I know that we've used that as an, I mean, again, look at Malignant. We have used that as an excuse. i mean hesitant mm-hmm. to say the word excuse mm. to explain away some over the top things in movies. Yes. And again, your your mileage may vary, but I would argue that Malignant knows very much what kind of movie it is and what it's trying to do. No matter if this middle 70 minutes is taking itself more seriously. Right. Whereas I don't think this movie thinks it's being camp. I mean, to me, I I guess this would be the more accurate definition of camp and that it's unintentionally bad. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I am actually very interested to kind of follow the legacy of this film over time, because that's usually where unintentional camp will be rediscovered and embraced. I think right now, it's still a little too open and raw. If people are trying to defend this, they don't want to acknowledge any of that. And if people dislike it, I think they're focusing on other things or they're saying, this is so bad, it's not even enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is also like Brackett coming in because Brackett only talks about his daughter, by the way. Um, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's all about his fucking daughter.
1: He's like, I wasn't there to put a bullet in his brain like I should have because my daughter was killed. It's like, thanks, dude. We get it. Mm-hmm. Also, yes. Let's talk more about cops. that just want to like shoot, shoot people, there. people. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, So this is uh, where Officer Graham, still a character, couldn't pick him out of a lineup, he tries to put the hospital on lockdown, and this is where Tommy and Brackett really get riled up, and they start getting everybody else riled up, and Trace, say it with me. Evil, Evil dies, dies tonight. tonight. I mean, Evil I'm already t- <laughs> dies tonight. I'm already tired of people
1: complaining about that. And this isn't a knock at you, but just because, yeah, 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 it is fucking stupid. It is said over and over, and it does make sense in the context of a mob. Like they will have mm-hmm. a oh, sure. chant. Yeah, but ugh. Ugh. I don't even have a, I have a reason for not liking it. I fucking <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs>
0: I have enjoyed some of the memes that have come out of this. And again, I think it's just like we're all still in a bit of lockdown mentality where we all watched the same movie. We had very different reactions, but we can sure right. gif and meme the fuck out of it. And you know what? By the time that people listen to this on the main feed, they probably won't even remember this shit because we'll have gone through 28 new versions of this. But right now holy fuck if you played a drinking game with this phrase in this movie (laughs) you would die it's bad it it is yeah it's bad (laughs) it's bad yeah that's it so this is when laurie learns that michael is still alive because tommy is just running around this hospital like a tornado
1: (laughs) (laughs) because this is the mob song
0: (laughs) basically yeah i don't Like what we're doing with Lori here, where she is putting herself at risk. She is acting irrationally. She's encouraging Tommy like, yeah, go kill that motherfucker. I'm going to be down there in five minutes to join you. Karen's like, Mom, can you please lie down? And Lori's injecting herself with random medication so that she can go down and join the mob. See, though, this makes sense to me, given what we know
1: about her from Halloween 2018. So, like, I get okay. not liking that this that this particular character beat, but it, I, I buy into this. I believe that she would be like, fuck the fact that I'm literally gutted right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm going to shoot some adrenaline into me and go. And again, I like these scenes. I like watching Karen be ra- the rational one and being like, y'all, like, stop it. Like, blah, blah, blah. Even if she is like, he's coming here, but he's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to do the heel turn. He's coming here, but also no he's not that's not him oh my god humanity blah blah blah
1: which really allison should have told her about sartain that way she could be like oh okay we're fine you know what y'all go do your mob thing it's
0: fine go away <laughs> you know what that actually seems like the one smart creative decision that the film made in between films like okay we're gonna do a lot of callbacks we are gonna draw a lot on what we did in 2018 but yeah even we recognized that sartain was a big fucking mistake so let's just not reference him at all yeah I mean, yes, we do get to see a brief glimpse of him, blah.
1: No, I know. But see, the problem for me is, though, they didn't realize that because they realized it. They realized it because people complained about it. And <laughs> that, and that's the problem. Like, they weren't smart enough to be like, oh, that wasn't a good idea. Again, it's, it's the same issue I had when I was talking about the first movie, where it's like, you're having someone on set be like, oh, the fans will like this. Oh, the fans will like not like that. Mm. So this feels like a movie that was made listening to a certain subset of fans and you can come at me and be like okay you're Trace you're mad because you weren't in the subset of fans that they listened to whatever fuck it like I don't even care (laughs) at this point
0: <laughs> okay, come back down to a simmer and a boil for.
1: But me. <laughs> it is the fact, though, that they are listening to fans. Like it is so evident that they are taking cues from fandom, and that mm. is really. I mean, I get it. You know, when you're working with a franchise, yes, sure you want to you want to give the fans what they want. But this seems like a movie, especially this one, compared to 2018, that is hinged upon fan opinion. Like, but that was written with fan opinion in mind. Like, they literally had Twitter up as they were writing things. Like, oh, like, search for this and see what someone would say about that.
0: <laughs> uh, probably not that bad, but <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Definitely yeah. written in response to certain things. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's go back to our queer couple because it's time to off yeah. them. Any thoughts about these death scenes?
1: um i mean big john oh yeah because the irony right because the shorter one is big john the taller one is little john
0: oh god isn't that so funny though ha 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 ha, ha <laughs> well it was ha. so funny because i was oh
1: like that one guy is like baby stewart from um, mad tv and i was trying to peg the other mm-hmm. one but he was um did you ever watch the mick with sweet d from it's always sunny it was like a two season fox show i know it i didn't watch it no a super fucking funny show i know you've he mentioned. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we don't get to see Little John die because he looks at Michael and he goes, Oh, Michael, you've come home. And then stands there as Michael walks towards him and kills him.
0: I know. I know. I think it's supposed to be this big moment and it's just like, okay. um. Yeah, it's a whimper. And I have seen some people say, oh, well Michael positions the body in a romantic way and he puts on Anne Murray, Canadian icon, and it's romantic (laughs) and I've been accused of a reach. But folks, let's not pretend that Michael Myers is a closeted queer romantic who feels badly for killing this gay couple who moved into his old house like you know what that is not what's happening michael is a showboat performer who likes to rearrange corpses no
1: you know what if that's the big reveal and halloween ends that's the motive behind all this i will give this movie five stars
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay you heard it here first folks (laughs) uh anyway yeah okay so they're dead this is actually intercut with some of the mob stuff. Yeah. So we've got to do the whole mistaken identity. Lori gets re-injured because, of course, she gets caught up in the middle of this and you can't control a mob. That's the whole point. I
1: feel like, I don't know. So, so, is this when is this when the guy dies? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. OK. I'll, no,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there.
1: It almost looks like Lori or Karen or someone is going to get trampled to death, right? Right. Yes. I almost and again, like this is me being like, oh, like what other version of this movie would I like more? But I almost feel like if you're really going to make a statement about the mob and how bad group thing is is like mob mentality, whatever. Mm-hmm. I almost think it would have been more effective if you're going to kill Karen, let's say, to have Karen get killed in this Ooh. mob thing by a mob, not by Michael Myers. Like to me, Ooh. that would be a more effective way of getting your message across if you are, in fact, trying to deliver a message.
0: Yeah, but that's going to be super fucking unpopular with people. They're not going to want to see that. But then don't
1: make a movie under the guise of having a message. Just make it simple. Just make a simple slasher movie.
0: (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. I'm thinking of other mob scenes. Like, you know me. Mm -hmm. I love a good trample scene. So some of this chaos and tight hallways and stairwells, I'm kind of enjoying there's one part where Karen full on goes down a flight of stairs and then just gets back up and continues running. And I thought, okay, well, that's not how that works. But I thought back to Candyman, the end of Candyman. We've Mm -hmm. got a mob. They are surrounding this burning effigy of everything that they associate with Candyman. They know that, uh, Helen is inside and, There's something about the energy, and I think that this film does a decent job of capturing the chaos and the madness that goes Mm -hmm. with this. Like, it looks terrifying to be caught up in it, but the problem is, is that it needs you to buy into the fact that these people are so stupid, and I don't like that, because in this mix we also get this this brief moment where oscar the kid that i thought was kind of queer baited cameron's right. best friend who got hung on the fence in the first film she sees his body in the morgue yeah and it's in here and i i don't even know what to do with it because it's clear that we're supposed to feel very bad for her oh no this is how she found out because the hospital is swarmed with people and they couldn't even tell her if her son was here and oh gosh it's heartbreaking except right. also we've got the mob song from fucking Beauty and the Beast going on in the background. Like it's yeah. it's not working.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like I mean, a, a lot of our critiques are like, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And I realize that it, it's not evidence. It's <laughs> not so, a reason. So, it's opinion, yeah. If it does work for you, that's great. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm envious. And I, I don't say that with a hint of like condescension. I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, like, that's good enough for you i wish i was that dumb like that, that's not what i'm trying to say
0: <laughs> so if it comes across that way i apologize the more that we get into this the more i feel like we keep speculating or talking about things that would have worked differently or better and again that's mm-hmm. also not criticism that's just yeah, us sure. wanting different things but i think it's because the film isn't doing it well so as a result we're left with nothing but idle speculation of how it could have played out better. So, like, you're saying, oh, it would have been interesting to have had Karen die in this, or maybe it would have been interesting to have not had it be some guy who is so obviously not Michael Myers. But the movie obviously wants us to feel very bad that this gentleman ends up dying by suicide by jumping off of this three or four-story floor. And I don't feel anything when this happens. I don't think, oh, my God, what a testimony to how mob violence can just pollute and corrupt a town. Like, I don't think any of that. And then characters tell me I should think that. And I just go, no, movie, please don't.
1: I think that's the issue, right? Yeah, because when you have characters spelling this shit
0: out for you, it's like, okay, well,
1: movie, you are trying to deliver a message because you're having your characters tell me flat out.
0: Well, and you're also doing stuff like you're having a point of view shot of this man falling to his death and we're getting gratuitous gore close ups. So how bad am oh. I supposed to feel or am I supposed to appreciate the damage that his body has suffered?
1: The is part of the movie, too, is this man's corpse. But you're right, though. I mean, even with this woman looking at Oscar's body, it's like, OK, yeah, you're right. This should be kind of upsetting, but it is juxtaposed. And this is the way the editing comes into play. It is juxtaposed mm-hmm. with this mob, which, as we've already discussed, is borderline camp. So we have a Mm. scene or a moment that's supposed to be meaningful, I think. I think. Put side to side with this ridiculous mob. So totally it's off. And we talked a lot in 2018 about the comedy and whether it works. And, you know, I know it worked more for me than it did for you. Mm -hmm. But this is just a tonal dissonance that is just like, no, no, this doesn't work. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And then we haven't even talked about it, but this is also when Laurie is back up in the room and she and Hawkins are just trading really awful stilted dialogue. So Laurie is saying stuff about how this is Michael's masterpiece, this idea that he is trying to generate chaos, to which I say, absolutely not. Michael doesn't have ambition like that we've talked about how he is the shape he is the void he's the boogeyman he is not a human being so why is laurie suddenly imbuing him with all of this malice and intentionality he says it's it's because of sartain yeah and laurie is saying stuff like oh you know michael has transformed this town of good people and how it needs to die and you're just like no this is a misunderstanding of who this character is this is also happening while this mob thing is happening Mm -hmm. i've got whiplash
1: well and i mean this is around the time too when we get the flashback again to hawkins and having the cop get trade their guns and to cover him up and i'm like this mixed messaging of this movie is Mm -hmm. like so weird and also, again, movie thinking we're stupid. So, like, you know, Hawkins tells her, oh, it's because of Sartain. So we get a flashback to Sartain from 2018 and like him stabbing Hawkins. And I'm like, y'all, like, I don't. <laughs> and then Lori's like, well, I've seen his face. And we get a flashback to the first movie showing when she takes his mask off. And I'm like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: trust me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. You're stupid. I've got to explain everything. <laughs> but also, I'm not going to explain certain things because, Trace, I actually do need you to clarify to me what the fuck is hawkins talking about when he does this michael is actually just a six-year-old boy who wants to go home and he's looking out his window in his bedroom and it's like is he suggesting that michael is a human being and he doesn't deserve to be treated the way that they're treating him or the way that they're making him something bigger than what he is see i didn't because even he's also talking about that. how he should have shot him when he had the chance
1: I didn't even think about that. To me, that was just a we're just setting up something so that way the end makes sense when Judy Greer goes upstairs to look up the window just like Michael Myers did. Like that, that to me well, that was you the are only reason wrong. that speech
0: was there. Yeah. No, yeah. You're you're a hundred percent right. That's the only fucking reason that it's in there. And yet it's also in here. So <laughs> Yeah. You can't just put in lines of dialogue because it's foreshadowing what's going to happen because it, P.S. It also happens again. I guarantee it when we get to Halloween ends, there's this line about how Laurie says, oh, you know, we'll find him on some other Halloween. And I'm like, oh, you mean like in five years with a little COVID twist?
1: P.S. And, and this is not an issue that I have in case people are going to think that I'm raising it because of that. But half of that monologue that Laurie ends the film with is in the trailer for this movie.
0: Oh, really? Is it?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, when, when he kills, is. the more he kills,
0: the more he transcends. That's literally in the trailer. Oh, treatment. my God. <laughs> you want to talk about a line that made me roll my fucking eyes? The more what? he kills, the more he transcends. Fuck off. I know. I know. That just has David Gordon Green <laughs> written all over it. But again, that's dipping into
1: Cult of Thorn territory, where it's like, all right, so he's mm. like... He's doing the mayor in Buffy season three. He's killing people instead of eating these giant bug things. But like he's going to ascend into something. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Wait, if Michael Myers turns into a giant serpent in Halloween, ends, five stars.
1: What if this is just a big old troll on fans? And they're like, oh, wait, we're going to give you a Michael Myers kaiju movie.
0: <laughs> I am here for it. If this is where it all goes, automatic win. I will like rescind everything that I have been saying for these last 100%. two 100%
1: like if that's what <laughs> we're doing <laughs> fine like go sure. for broke
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well i i mean i have no idea how much time we have actually left in this movie but uh we're getting down to it in my notes i think yeah. because at this point i was just like i can't okay well sure.
1: no because, because we are
0: there are so many quote-unquote
1: characters in this movie we are bouncing around constantly <laughs>
0: Mm Mm-hmm, so let's bounce to Lonnie and Cameron and Allison so they have realized, much in the way that Hawkins was just talking about, Oh, Michael has probably gone home. So they go to the old Myers house. Lonnie goes in first. They wait 2.5 seconds. He doesn't come out. So then they go in after him. This is when Allison (laughs) shoots a pumpkin. She and Cameron, they split up because, you know, as you should in a slasher film. She discovers the bodies of Big John and Little John. And then Cameron sees that... Lonnie's body has actually been stuffed into the attic crawl space. Okay, so I was confused about how he died because what it
1: looked like was Michael Myers like shut his head in the attic door because his head's kind of
0: sticking out. Mm, I think he just stabbed him and then shoved the body up there like you would (laughs) suitcases in an overhead compartment of a plane.
1: I mean, and look, I think I said this in 2018. I am not one to be like, well, Michael Myers wouldn't do this. And Michael Myers wouldn't do that. Because honestly, at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't really care that much. Like, whatever. Just make it a cohesive movie, which this movie is not. But it's (laughs) like I've seen people be like, oh, this movie turned Michael Myers into Jason Voorhees. I think there's even a part where he runs. And I was like, yeah, that, um. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not incorrect. (laughs) That's it, that's what it does. So, I mean, yeah, I could quibble with the fact that I'm like, okay, why the fuck does Michael Myers put him in the attic? But I guess it's the same thing of like, oh, in the original film, he puts Annie Mm -hmm. on the bed with Judith's Headstone and he has, what's her face, stuffed in the closet, like whatever. It's fine.
0: Yeah. It didn't bother me. I actually think that, again, if you look at this as a contained scene of Allison and Cameron versus Michael Myers in this tight, enclosed area of the Myers house, Mm -hmm. I actually think it's a pretty good set piece. It's just there's so much garbage on both sides of it that, like, at this point in the film, my patience is just kind of gone. And I'm like, okay, so is this the end? Is this the climax? Like, are we almost there?
1: And here's the—again, not to be more with Cameron— But the audience, if you have not seen that deleted scene from the first movie, is just left with how much of an asshole he was in the first movie and then gets Mm -hmm. this one line apology. And then Allison, again, like you said, like has blind memory loss and completely forgets about it. (laughs) Relationship amnesia. So this death of his feels more like it's meant to be like a fuck. Yeah, kill that guy. But Mm. Allison's also upset about it at the same time. Oh, she's so upset. Yeah. I'm getting really mixed signals about what I'm supposed to feel about this character. But again, because I've seen this other scene, I'm like, well, shit, that's kind of what's in my mind. So I can't Hmm. remove it. I don't know. It's just really weird. Like, I mean, it, he does get a really brutal death. You know, he gets shoved, yeah. his neck shoved down in this this wooden thing like yeah. a bunch. Yeah, and then twist. Twist. And it looks, it's good. It's brutal. But it's also just like, yeah. yeah, but Cameron is also not really a character in this movie. Any feelings I have about Cameron are based solely on the first film because he had mm. way more of, a, of of meat to work with in that movie than he does in this one.
0: Yeah, I, I basically just jettisoned the relationship issues between the two of them from the mm-hmm. first film and took my reading from the way that she reacts in this moment. So I was like, Oh, no, she's really upset. It's, you know, it's sad. It's tragic. And you don't want him to die. Because even if he is a shitty kid, he doesn't deserve right. it. like nobody deserves this death but yeah you're you're not wrong like if you're reading what the film has actually done for this character and where the arc has gone right he's not a good character and we shouldn't feel too sad that he dies horribly
1: yeah and i'm not saying that allison shouldn't be upset because uh, whatever like she, her she character clearly still it. has
0: feelings for him yeah
1: but yeah but it does feel like the movie's like oh you should feel upset because she's upset and i don't feel like that's very earned
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So then we then we get an Allison versus Michael Myers showdown, and much in the way that Lindsay did earlier, she actually gets in a few good blows. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And then she takes a tumble down the stairs and she breaks a foot. So good thing we're jumping ahead because I don't think she'd be able to outrun him in ends otherwise. And just when you think she's about to get it, Trace, we've got mm-hmm. Big John's check off pitchfork because <laughs> he does mention oh next time i'll get my pitchfork
1: i did appreciate the irony though because again what is your standard mob weapon of choice
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a pitchfork.
1: pitchforks and torches I-, I do like that judy grew attacks him with a fucking pitchfork because now she's part of the mob
0: sure and then she literally curb stomps him on the stairs curb stomps face <laughs> in halloween kills not something i thought i was gonna see in this movie We're not even at the biggest of my biggest, like, eye roll of the movie yet. Trust me. I mean, here's the thing. If this was the way that they killed Michael, like if it's Judy Greer or Laurie Strode or Allison curb stomping Michael Myers head into oblivion on the Myers staircase. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. I'm here for it. But he just what? Puts his jaw back together and gets back up and chases Karen down a dark alley into another gotcha trap. What the fuck are we doing?
1: I was fine with this up until the gotcha because I was literally like, go fuck yourself. You hated hated it in the first film. So they did it again and you hated it again. I like the gotcha in the first film. I don't like Jamie Lee Curtis having another line right after her, which undercuts her line. Okay. Okay. But then you don't want it here. (laughs) Well, because the hubris of this movie going, hey, y'all, remember that moment you liked in the movie from three years ago? We're not just pulling from Legacy. We're not pulling from the first one anymore. We're pulling from our own movie because it was that good. Like, that is the vibe I got whenever Judy Greer goes, gotcha. And it's literally the same thing. She's luring him into a trap, except this time she it doesn't work. I mean, I'm sorry, both times it doesn't work (laughs) because it didn't work in the first one.
0: Well, one could argue that it works both times, but then circumstances prevail that allow Michael to escape. But I'm curious, the first time you saw this, so Michael is encircled by this vigilante mob. Shout out to the lady who brought the iron to the mob fight. Mm -hmm. Love you. you have got your own Facebook group. (laughs) Sure, sure. So we've got this mob surrounding Michael Myers it seems like the film has come to a climax. They begin to beat the shit out of him. We get another fuck yeah moment from Karen as she stabs him in the back. Mm-hmm. Did you think this movie was over? Because I would have ended the movie mm. here. Or I actually would have ended the movie with him encircled. And it's like, you know what? You can find out how it ends when we come back next year.
1: Mm, no, because I knew we were going to have a cliffhanger. Not, not because someone told me. I was just like, okay, like when I hear it's half a movie, I was like, okay, well, we're going to have a cliffhanger. But. Well, that would have been a cliffhanger. Yeah, I guess that's true. couple of things with this. So I forgot because, again, like in the first one, how Laurie undercuts Karen's gotcha by doing happy Halloween, Michael. And then she cuts Michael. Mm-hmm. This one, she says gotcha. And then we zoom in. I-, I don't know if it's right after or if like we get like a beat. But Sheriff Brackett goes, hey, Michael, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare.
0: I barfed. I barfed in Fuck my own you, mouth. <laughs>
1: Because okay, that line, I get it. It is an iconic line from the original film, whatever. This man who is in his 70s or 80s would mm-hmm. not remember <laughs> that he said this line. It's fan service. And that is what it is. It, talk to me again in a month when we're talking about Resident Evil Ra- Welcome to Raccoon City, which I am sure right. will be filled with <laughs> plenty of fan service for
0: me. But you know what? Yeah, listeners, I want to hear you come for this hypocrite co-host. Of no. No. <laughs>
1: i am waiting for because i know i know because again some someone tells me that i didn't like this movie and they're like oh but trace you like the stupidity that is on beavers so how could you not like the Mm. stupidity that is halloween kills and the difference there is that one of them is trying to be stupid the other one is not but (laughs) but i was like are you fucking kidding me with this everyone's entitled to one good scare like i oh you're right barf it's barf it is so stupid And I don't know if you noticed this, but the music that starts playing when they all start going to town on him is the track, the the good track. I'm sorry, there's multiple good tracks, but the one that everyone loved from the first Mm -hmm. movie, which is The Shape Hunt's Allison. It's like a remix of that theme when they start beating the shit out of Michael Myers. Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It is interesting because I think taken out of context of the rest of this film, if you just saw this, like if this was in the trailer, say this was the trailer Mm -hmm. for this movie, it's Michael surrounded by these people. They've got all of their various weapons and they just start going to town on him and you could edit it so that he actually gets up and starts cutting them back a la malignant it could be very exciting. And I do think it's actually effective in that specific instance. But yeah, this groaner fucking line, the fact that we think he's down and then he gets back up and he just brutally massacres everybody after we just did this in isolation with Karen like two minutes ago. (laughs) It's just why why do we have multiple climaxes why are we pretending that michael myers is i mean i know he's always been superhuman but this is taking it to such ridiculous levels i get that it's probably enjoyable to a lot of people but as somebody who doesn't have the same feelings for the franchise it just it feels not good
1: Well, and it's also kind of like, okay, I get it, because we're walking out of here being like, well, what was the point? Like, all all of this happens, and oops, sorry, he gets up and he just massacres all of them. Like, what's the point? Which, maybe that's the idea, right? Oh, yeah, what is the point of mobs? What is the point of (laughs) mobs? They don't pay off. Nothing good comes from it. Like, okay, fine. But the problem is, I'm
0: also walking
1: out of the movie saying, what was the point of that movie? And that's Mm. the issue here.
0: Yeah. I mean, if they try to take this seriously, Halloween Ends is actually going to have to do some kind of reconciling with what happened this night and how we lost a bunch of people because people went off and they got weapons instead of trusting the police or trusting somebody else. I mean, I hope we're going to see that. I have a feeling we'll probably get a five-year memorial, like what we sometimes get in a Final (laughs) Destination movie. Uh... Mm. i wish that i trusted this film a little bit more to do some of that heavy lifting if it's going to try to play in deeper emotional waters and particularly as an ending this film doesn't give me that kind of stuff i think this is supposed to be a yeah culmination moment oh shit the pathos the tragedy of all these people getting cut down i don't feel that
1: no, I, I don't feel it either. And, you know, this may just be a case of, you know what? This movie didn't get, give me what I wanted, and therefore it's not for me. I don't like it. Fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: but, and that, that may be the case, and that probably is the case. But unfortunately, yeah, that means that, honestly, any expectations I have for ends are fairly low. And I was trying to talk about this with someone, Um, oh, a former guest, Lindsay Travis, actually, because I think people accused her of, like, walking into the movie ready to hate it. Right. Because she doesn't like the first one, or 2018. And I was like, you know, I think there's a difference between walking in ready to hate something, meaning, like, your knives are out, and walking Mm -hmm. in with low expectations, hoping you'll find something positive in it. And I think that, at least for me, that's how I feel I walked in. Because I did walk in with relatively low expectations, given the word of mouth, Mm -hmm. hoping that it would help me find something positive. And, I mean, we've talked about a couple things we liked, but at the end of the day, like, I just didn't like this movie.
0: Yeah. And folks, you know, the reason that we're starting to sound like we're wrapping up is because the movie is effectively over. All we have left is like more purple pros from lori, and then Karen dying and then cut to credits. Uh, Yeah, yeah. this movie just really didn't work for me. And I didn't go in with a lot of expectations. Kind of like what you said, I didn't love the first film. I went in trying to be open minded. I actually did really like a lot of the first act of it. Although it was pretty evident early on that we were bouncing around a lot and trying to introduce new people and catch up with old people and also don't forget about the Strodes and setting up different locations and it felt very haphazard and Mm -hmm. frenzied. And I don't know if we were supposed to be like, ooh, it's because the cauldron that is Haddonfield is bubbling and we're about to get this mob. Like, I think that's what they thought. But to me, it just felt very scattered and disorganized.
1: What was our big complaint with 2018, right? There's too many things. We have the Strodes, we have the podcasters, Mm -hmm. we have the teenagers. And so their solution was to add more subplots and more characters. (laughs) Hey, did you want more subplots and characters? Here you go. (laughs) But it feels like they thought, oh, but we'll make the subplots mostly with legacy characters because then people Mm -hmm. won't care if the writing is shitty or underdeveloped because – they already know these characters. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. You're already emotionally invested in these because we introduced them to you 40 years ago, even though we don't trust you to remember who they are. I'm not even saying that's a problem. Like, I,
1: I want these legacy characters. I like these legacy characters, but make them characters. This movie doesn't make them yeah. characters. And no. I'll stop. I'll stop beating this dead horse because I know I'm just saying <laughs> for variations of the same thing. But like, that's just what it is. Unfortunately, I don't see this movie like moving up my Halloween franchise ranking. But you know Mm -hmm. what? Again, I would love to be proven wrong.
0: Yeah, I think that's where we're going to leave this, right? Is Mm -hmm. we are going to go into Halloween ends like we're going to see it. It's not a question of if it's a question of when. And I think we're going to go into it probably feeling the same way we did with this, which is low expectations, hoping to be surprised and Because it's the end of a trilogy, what we're hoping for is that some of these question marks and doubts and things that we just flat out didn't like or didn't work for us, we're hoping they're going to come full circle and they're going to be reconciled, repaired, addressed, so on. I do worry that we've got two of the same writers who have written these inconsistent texts who are still going to be involved. We're introducing two new people. I don't know. I really hope that what we get... Sorry, I'm moving into what I would like to see. No, yeah, for sure. I really hope that if we do kill Karen, that we get a lot of Laurie and a lot of Allison. And if Karen is not in fact dead, then I hope that we get a a lot of all three of them. And I would like to see them working together. I would like the film to be centered on them. I don't need new additional bodies to be introduced. I don't need new characters or new subplots or, God forbid, new doctors or podcasters. I would like the film to actually narrow its focus, give the fans what they want, which is Laurie versus Michael.
1: And I would say paying off the promise of 2018, where they're doing a study of grief and trauma. Like I honestly have yet to see that be explored fully. Mm, except Either one of these films. Yes. And you're right. You're right. Right, like, like the movies are coming in here saying, oh, we're really going to study trauma. Th- that is the marketing. That is great. That is Jamie Lee Curtis. Um you're right i hope that we get more of that i Mm -hmm. i hope that we get laurie and and allison together i hope they are the focus i don't need i mean we fuck we killed all the legacy characters except for lindsey so what is the (laughs)
0: fact who else are we gonna introduce the whole town of haddonfield's dead (laughs) you know what karen's done bring in Lindsay. let's have those three take on michael Focus it on them. Go. And that might make sense, right? Like, like Lindsay becomes Lori's
1: surrogate daughter because her real daughter is not no longer with us. Right. Like, right. like sure. that's a storyline that I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to see because I, like, I want more Judy Greer. But mm-hmm. if that's where it goes, like, honestly, I would buy into that. Right. Like Lindsay right. grew up. She became friends with nurse Marion Chambers for some reason. <laughs> sure. As you do.
0: And so she's dead. Tommy's dead. Lonnie's dead. So her whole friend circle for 40 years is now dead. Mm-hmm. She needs new bodies to go to open mic with her. And clearly, Allison and Laurie are going to be those bodies.
1: Yeah, honestly, I I just hope they keep it simple. We don't need to complicate this story. The beauty of that original film. And sometimes Mm. I get it. Some people watch it now and they're like, oh, that's really there's not really much to that. But that's what makes Halloween so good is (laughs) exactly is that it it is simple. Keep it simple, stupids like all of you. Just keep it simple. And I will be there in theaters next Halloween. There we go.
0: Yeah, that and introduce Papa John and we're good to go.
1: (laughs) All right. I think for better or worse, that is Halloween Kills. <laughs> Listeners, let let us know what you thought. Keep it civil in the comments. And uh, if you want to come yes. after us with Pitchforks, I do understand. But um, oh, yeah, that's perfectly
0: fine. Just <laughs> not each other, please.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Come for us. You know, that's fine. Come for us. Don't take it at each other. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, what do you want to see in Halloween ends? And um, yeah, so um, that is the movie. And uh, yeah, wish this were better so we can cross out Halloween Kills. <laughs>
0: Indeed, and cross out Horrorqueer's Patreon.